Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Made in Ukraine Tech Startup Edition, a podcast series about Ukrainian tech and IT startups and their efforts to go global. Today is Friday, July 22nd, 2022. Our guest for this episode is Misha Rudominsky, who is the CEO and a co-founder of a Ukrainian company called Promin Aerospace. Welcome, Misha. How are you? Hi, Michael. I'm all right. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining us today. To start off with, I would like to get some background about yourself, your your education and your professional career. Uh, yeah, happy to share. I'm I'm uh, Ukrainian from Kiev, born and raised. Uh, I finished uh, very. I mean, I like to think so. Very prominent, uh, like STEM high school, like Lyceum in Kiev, uh, number one one hundred and forty five. But then I went to study in Vancouver, Canada, in University of British Columbia. Transferred into and find and still kind uh, of studying in a university called Politecnico di Torino in Italy, in a beautiful city of Turin. Uh, I'm a mechanical engineer by education, but um, early on I kind of understood that I want, uh, I, I feel more myself of being an organizer and manager and, you know, working with engineers, but uh, not, at least for now, not be an engineer myself. Uh, and yeah, I, while being in the early years of uh, university, I've uh, co-founded another company called uh, Next World. Uh, it's in cybersecurity uh, and hardware area. It's, you know, went on to uh, be uh, autonomous for myself as a new CEO, uh, Marina, who's great. Uh, she started early on in a company and then developed into CEO. But uh, yeah, I kind of left that uh, on its own a year and a half ago and uh, co-founded a company called Promin Aerospace with Vitaly, who has a much, <laughs> much, much bigger experience and more relevant experience than myself. But I'm very happy to be uh, working with people I'm working on uh, this company. Right. And just so we get the information correct, your co-founder is Vitaly Yemets. Yes, yes, correct. And he's the... Professor Vitaly Yemets. Yeah, he is the CTO of Roman Aerospace. Yes, correct. So the obvious question is, what made you decide to go into aerospace? Um, I think I think the more <laughs> correct uh, is why why I wasn't in aerospace for some time. Because since I was twelve, I, it was something they dreamt of. Before twelve, I, I just liked science, and uh, but at around twelve, I remember that's when I figured that space is my thing. Then when I was in high school, I I more focused on astronomy and astrophysics, more theoretical things but when i was graduating and i was you know applying to universities i figured that i want to be working on something i still want to be in space but i want to be working on something that i can touch in my lifetime and uh yeah i also had kind of this um interest in engineering and just making stuff with my hands so you know space engineering aerospace engineering mechanical engineering was still was focused on aerospace and uh, that's when it, you know, went from more theoretical stuff. And, uh, you know, when I was in high school, I competed even in national, in regional national competitions in Ukraine, uh, connected to, to those sciences. Then in, in, when I was in university, I was part of 
uh, engineering design team in uh, University of British Columbia, and we were working on the airlock for Mars Colony. We competed on national level with another team uh, where we proposed the uh, communication system between Mars and Earth for the future um, development, uh, the future research and development of uh, Mars surface. So, but then even later on, I was like, okay, I like engineering, I like creating stuff, but I want to be more in control of what I work on. And that's where, uh, you know, that's when I met a great engineer uh, who is Vitaly and uh, figured out that we really need to do something together because he has the knowledge and expertise and great people around him. And I, uh, I can definitely build the business around it with the technology that it, he, he, he works on, he knows. So let's talk about your product, which I understand is a new rocket technology yes. that will help reduce the cost of launching rocket payloads into space. And it's really an ultralight rocket. So can you describe it in a little bit more detail? And yes, of uh, course. How did you develop uh, it? So there is very uh, interesting um issue in the aerospace uh, in, in rockets in general Let, let's talk about you know not aerospace rockets uh the main issues there with, with rockets is that the smaller you make them the less efficient they become you want to be as much of the rocket as much of the rocket to be fuel to be propellant to be something that is actually gonna you know propel it forward but the smaller you make the more the rocket becomes structures become fuel tanks become pumps uh, and the smaller you make rockets, the less efficient they become. And at some point, there, there, there is a certain lower threshold, uh, lower which one you can't really make a rocket that is going to be even capable of reaching the orbit. And uh, in many ways, companies right now address that by making you know, more efficient engines, more efficient uh, fuel mixture. Uh, we decided to go into you know, a parallel mode and work on how can we make structures of the rocket more efficient, make them lighter. And what we've done is we basically proposed building the structure of the rocket out of the fuel itself. This way we can make very small rockets and while keeping the efficiency up, you know, when you don't need this uh, structure, well, when the structure is the fuel, more of the rocket becomes fuel. And this is uh, where the, you know, the technology differentiates, but it converts in very interesting uh, product differentiators that other companies just can't have because of the limitations of the technology that they use. For us is two primary things. Because we can build, build very small rockets, we can make dedicated launches for payloads for, you know, for uh, customers that uh, never before had a chance to have a private launch. In many ways, if you are below certain size and really depends on wh which orbit you want to go or which altitude, uh, you just can't have a private service. The only uh, uh, possible um, service for you is the ride share missions where you become part of the launch and you're one of 20, one of 50, one of 100 separate payloads and you have no say in where this rocket goes. You either accept it or not. Because we make much smaller rockets and we still keep them efficiently, we can provide that private service, that dedicated service that nobody else can do. And uh, secondary, uh, very interesting thing is that we can have, because we build the structure of the rocket out of fuel, we build, we make them adaptable. Our rockets are gonna be adaptable really depending on a customer, which is also another thing that is currently unavailable. The only way you can change this, uh, the parameters of the rocket is you can fuel, put less fuel into it. You can, instead of putting 100% of fuel, 
and oxidizer, if you put 80% or 70%, and this you know makes it uh, still less efficient. In our case, we can make it twice bigger, twice smaller, depending on the customer. And we want to provide that one thing that is limited right now in the aerospace industry, and I'm you know finalizing on this, uh, is limited, is that there are companies, there are people and companies coming into aerospace industries with the startup mindset, you know, lean startup where you want to iterate, you want to try, you want to fail, you want to try again. But the rocket launch industry, and this is, you know, the big backbone of the aerospace industry, doesn't really allow for that. There is not that there are no rockets that can adapt. There are no, there are no rockets that can launch this fast. There are uh, no rockets that can have those dedicated launchers. And we see ourselves building this product that can do exactly that, bring that you know, startup approach to the development and launch uh, market. So who are the clients for this product and where are they located? So for us, we are, um, you know, the aerospace market is probably one of the most global markets where you have, you know, small number of companies, uh, a small number of companies in every country, but all together, they all kind of work like a one. Uh, aerospace market is one of those that even outlived uh, many international conflicts. And it was something that is usually held above all of this. But uh, for us, uh, you know, uh, something that we primarily focused on right now we are in the next year or two, we primarily focus on the suborbital launch market. And there are two kinds of customers there. One customer is the uh, commercial uh, plus defense, uh, you know, governmental client. Uh, and their need there is developing and certifying and testing their technology for use in microgravity. And in that case, it's uh, uh, either developing a guidance system, as an example, or developing a sub subsystem like an open opening hatch or a battery or optics that will work on um, satellites or uh, rockets or anything else that needs to work in microgravity uh, environment. And on the other side is a scientific and academia community where experiments in microgravity, both on physics, uh, in physics, in, in chemistry, in biology, they all need a lot of uh, fluids, a lot of materials experience and act differently in microgravity. And those sciences utilize those unique properties to run experiments, to develop new types of bacteria, to uh, analyze our atmosphere. And, you know, scientists do science and we uh, want to help them doing that also. Uh, after that, uh, the orbital launching uh, is a bit more defined and more classical, I would say. It's uh, the satellites, we, we're going to be focused on the smallest of the satellites weighing a couple of kilograms from a couple hundred grams to a couple of kilograms. And those uh, satellites right now, you know, 20 years ago, they couldn't do anything. Right now, those satellites can uh, do Earth observation. They can do connectivity. Uh, they, can do, they can do scientific experiments on them. So there, there is a lot of applications for those smallest of satellites. And the, sm the further we go into the future, the smaller electronics, the smaller uh, mechanisms become, the more you will be able to do with those uh, couple of uh, kilogram uh, satellites. So the market is broad, but we've primarily, primarily focused right now on those, you know, commercial and uh, scientific um, community and testing in microgravity. Misha, how large is your company staff-wise, and are they primarily located in Kiev? What has been the challenge during mm -hmm. this period of war in Ukraine? 
So yeah, we went from 16 people pre-war to 13 people as of right now. We had to optimize a bit. Uh, primarily, they allocated in Dnipro, Ukraine. That's where our R&D uh, facilities are. So most of our team right now is engineering team. Uh, we are currently uh, developing a kind of business uh, and you know business and operations team in UK, and we're planning to launch from Scotland uh, in the future. Uh, but still, most of our team, majority of our team, is in Ukraine, primarily Dnipro, and. Um, it's all relative, you know, in absolute in absolute numbers, nobody can say that everything is okay, everybody's all right in Ukraine, right? But relatively speaking, we are uh, we were untouched uh, by the war, you know, the team that we have, the facilities that we own. Um, one of our teammates uh, went uh, to be part of National Guard and, you know, is currently serving there. But most of the team is currently, you know, after a certain time, couple of weeks in early March of, you know, volunteering. And still we're continuing to volunteer. We're continuing to help uh, as much as we can uh, to, to the army, to, to our families, to, you know, extend it. <laughs> Ukrainian, Ukrainian families in general. Uh, but uh, we most of the team right now is back to full time being focused on, you know, developing our product and uh, delivering the results. Misha, what about funding? I understand that you have one major investor who came in last year in April, a fund called QP Digital. And then uh, this year in March, you had a small amount of money come in from the uh, Ukrainian Venture Capital Association Startup Fund. Are those the only two investors at this time? Yes, at this time, correct. These are the only two investors. We're currently, uh, you know, working with a couple, uh, I think in, in the next couple of weeks, uh, up to a bit more than a month, we should uh, have uh, a couple new more on board, anywhere from, you know, one to a couple. Yeah, we are in process of kind of funding our next step. We In the last year, we went from being this kind of geeky scientific uh, research uh, done by my uh, co-founder into being, you know, a full fledged tested technology uh we've run multiple more than 10 uh, uh, fire tests in our laboratory continuously uh, uh, continuous burns of our uh, uh burns of our engine and right now we are ready to convert that lab tested in lab uh, technology into uh fully working and actually run into and actually run this technology in real world environment. We are planning in the next five to six months to have the first flight test of this technology, and we are on track to do it successfully. Misha, unfortunately, we're almost out of time. What do you think will be the major challenge in the next year for the company? I think for us, proving uh, proving that we can work and we can deliver even during the most complicated of the times. Nobody says it's easy, you know, to work, uh, to do any work when you are, you know, in the uh, country that has an active war working, active war going uh, in it. Uh, it's even more true when you are, you know, a deep tech aerospace uh, company that, that is potentially a really, uh, even an interesting target for the uh, for Russians in this war. So yes, there, there are risks connected to that. This is the, I would say the most, something that we really need to prove to ourselves that we can do it, prove to investors, prove to clients that no matter what we can deliver it. And for us, you know, when we do it, 
after you know we, Ukraine wins the war, after we return the territories and you know we go back to normal business, I think this will be a huge, not even differentiator for us, but everybody, you know, when when, when everybody will see that uh, the company can deliver even during the most complicated of times, you know, imagine what they can do during <laughs> business as usual. So for us, I would say uh, just continuing to do our job, it, it is a challenge that we will overcome. Misha, thank you so much for joining us today on Made in Ukraine. My pleasure, Mike. My pleasure. I have been speaking with Nisha Rudominsky, who is a CEO and a co-founder of a Ukrainian space tech startup called Promin Aerospace. And I'm Mike Burek, your host and producer of Made in Ukraine Tech Startup Edition, a podcast series about Ukrainian tech and IT startups and their efforts to go global. Until next time. That's all for now.